Hey, welcome to my basement, everybody. It is great to see you. We have a wonderful show for you today. We've been planning this over the last couple of days. Rob Keys from Screen Rant is here. I love chatting with this gentleman. Uh, Happy New Year to you, my friend. I hope you are doing well. Yeah, you too. Happy New Year. I'm glad to bring my basement to, to your basement. <laughs> Thank you. That's the conjoining of basements. I yeah. love it. Uh, you you guys, if you watched our Rocket and Reagan Awards, you saw Rob Keys pop up with a bunch of really insightful commentary over the course of the show, talking about uh, Rocket League mm-hmm. and Inscription. That's um, it. And that was, was that your game of the year? Was Inscription? It was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've just downloaded that. I have not played it yet, but I, you know, based on what you said, and uh, I think... Shane from Rerez also brought it up. It's uh, it looks incredible, and I had no idea it was made in Vancouver. It is like a, like a one man operation over there, and it's uh I don't want to spoil anything because yeah. it's going to blow your mind. Not to raise expectations, but okay, get ready. Oh, I'm definitely going to play it. Uh, we've got a bunch of people in the chat. It's good to see Liquid 3600 and Key Clack and uh, Dracor BC was uh, subscribed with Prime and uh, Goku is back as a subscriber. Good to see you, my friend. And Spidey 82. It's a good thing that Spidey 82 is here. We got a lot of Spider-Man to talk about today. And Polywog's voice. Uh, this one's going to be all about the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything that Marvel has been working on uh, since the beginning of 2021. So really, we're getting into the Phase 4 conversation. There's a lot sort of in the pipeline, and we'll get into that a little bit too. But I haven't really had a chance to kind of recap the, the year that Marvel crafted for us. And I couldn't think of a better person to do that with than my brother over at Screen Rant, who focuses a ton of attention on all of this Marvel stuff. He wore the appropriate Christmas sweater, the Hawkeye sweater. Love it, man. It looks incredible. Um, we're going to get into that, but first, let's uh, thank our sponsor, which is The Gaming Stadium. They are Canada's leader in online esports tournament facilitation. They've got tournaments happening every single weekend that you do not want to miss out on, and you can find out all about them at tgs.gg. Thank you, Gaming Stadium. All right, we are going to go chronologically through what Marvel put together for us, and uh, we do have a little bit of uh, you know time in this episode to take some questions and stuff like that. Do me a favor, though, make your questions or your comments in all caps so that they're easier for me to see as we're uh, as we're running through this. But thank you everybody for joining us. I see you, Slim Shady Eleven. Hello. Um, all right. Uh, oh, and for those that are listening on the audio version of this podcast, thank you for listening. You can also watch these videos. Sometimes they're live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash EPN. And there's also an edited video version of this on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash EPN TV. So if you ever want to see the visuals behind all of this stuff, please join us for that. Um, okay. Let's uh, talk a little bit about WandaVision. This came out in January, and I think it was January 15th that this premiered. Wow. Rob, Rob what, did, what did you expect from the show, and, and what did you think of the show as, as uh, Disney doled it out? Uh, it feels like 10 years ago. I know um, it does. <laughs> I remember when they first kind of showcased this, and they were this is the beginning of the Disney Plus empire, I should say. We should say as well, right? It was the first sort of big original yes. uh, to help sell that. Um, and also the return of... of, of uh, a certain character from a certain Avengers movie, uh, you know, so it was very exciting. Yeah. And it was always pitched as something super weird. And um, I really enjoyed the beginning of it because there was so much mystery and intrigue. And also for the first time, it felt like Marvel had branched out from their formula, right? It's just something different. It's like weird 50, 60, 70 sitcoms. It's black and white, the, the, the four by three aspect ratio uh, and so much style and substance, you know what I mean? And then um, 
of course, you know, the viral marketing and the, in the, in the hashtags, it's Mephisto, you know, for those comics readers out there. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and then, uh, it was cool up until a point. I think what it kind of let me down in two ways. One, the pacing was off. So if you're as a week to week schedule, I think we've been spoiled and certainly I have, mm -hmm. you mean in the industry, we get screeners, but even just watching Netflix, you, you get a batch of, you get a whole story and you can watch it at your own pace. With Disney, they're trying to hold out subscribers and they want to give you that weekly content. Right. To keep you coming back every week. They have to to compete, right? And they're using big brands to do that. But this show, these 20 and sometimes 25 minute episodes didn't work like that, especially since the first half of the season was all sort of just build up and, and weirdness. Mm -hmm. And that's not good enough for three weeks or a month. Like that's not how we consume content, um, especially in a story like that, right? So that would kind of that was off-putting. Um, and then uh I think they were they tried to set expectations and, and fool people in a way to make them think something bigger was happening than what actually was happening. Right. And so at the end, it kind of fizzled out and we'll talk a lot about the other Disney plus shows, but it kind of like, it's one of those shows that has high highs and then also just low lows um, from everything from the Quicksilver reveal to the Agatha stuff. And, you know, they go from having so much style to having scenes. that felt like it was shot like a, like a CW show, not like yeah. a big budget thing. You know? Yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of a common thing with a lot of the shows on Disney. They had to, they have a, uh, you know, a sizable budget you can see, but they also have the limitations, which we don't always feel with the two hour, you know, films. It feels like everything gets thrown into those things because the time constraints aren't there. And yeah, they don't have advertisers. They have subscribers. So you're yeah. right. It's that same kind of, I, I, I mean, with advertisers, you also, you know, want to drop in the cliffhangers and you want people coming back every week and you want those advertisers to stay there, the traditional network model. But I think it's even more pronounced if it's subscriber-based and they can't you're right they can't really come out and do a dramatic shocking thing every single episode sometimes it does feel like they're letting these things kind of you know um savor them and sure that doesn't always work it's not always a great taste when you're savoring it um, but I did appreciate that we did get to know in, in WandaVision and in all the other shows, we got to spend time with sort of the B-list of the Marvel Universe. So we weren't with the, the major marquee players. Some of them have passed away in the, in the MCU and some of them have moved on. So I thought it was kind of cool that we got a, a chance to spend a little more character time with these, with these superheroes, you know, and get yeah. to know them as real, uh, not, not real people. <laughs> but uh, more convincing creations, you know, especially in the case of uh, that love story between Vision and Wanda. I think that was the most powerful thing about the show. Yeah, uh, that and the story of the trauma. We got a little bit of like how, you know, the Scarlet Witch or Wanda Maximoff actually felt from yeah. loss after he lost her family, lost her brother, lost vision. Everything is being taken away from her. She's always losing. She's right. never intentionally done something wrong but she's always feeling the brunt of it and so there is a breaking point how do you deal with that trauma and combine with this love story this tragic love story like yes. how do you, can you let go and then it happens again because they introduced the kids and it's yeah. like it just ne that never any trauma like, the what, crack what, of scarlet that's Witch. it what yeah. happens when you crack that psyche and crack maybe the universe you know what i mean so yeah. it, it, that part of it was super interesting and, and like you said i think you you hit the nail on the head it's like we call them btl care b tier characters because they're not the marquee merchandising efforts they're not getting all the screen time and in, 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 the, you know in the big movies but you know you look at elizabeth olsen and paul bettany and these are world-class award-worthy actors yeah. and you give them hours of screen time versus 10 minutes of screen time and you're like wow they can really make you laugh or they can make you cry and that 
that kind of carries through in almost every one of these shows. So that is where they have an opportunity to shine. Whether they, you know, whether Marvel Studios and the Disney Plus format fully takes advantage of that is questionable uh, from show to show, I would say. Yeah, I, that's kind of behind the eight ball for Marvel in a way, isn't it, right? Because they are trying something new. And this was their first year. So yeah. I, I think in general, they had a pretty remarkable first year. And I think also in general, they had a tough time sticking the landing on a lot of their shows. Um because our expectations are enormous based on the 10 or 15 years of buildup that yeah. they have given us, you know, with their properties, which always have these huge epic battles and huge epic moments that tend to shock us and surprise us. You know, it's it's kind of amazing to kind of that Marvel went smaller after Endgame, you know? Yeah, um, it's almost refreshing in a way. It's funny you bring that up, actually, because back in the day, I think it was after Avengers Age of Ultron, where they went like doubly big, big budget, yeah. bigger Avengers team. You know, the Avengers won, obviously, like, set the world on fire. Totally. And they're trying to replicate that. But after that, they intentionally put Ant-Man right after that because it, it was what they called the pilot cleanser. It's light, it's smaller, it's family focused. And it's just, let's start again and have some fun. You know what I mean? That's kind of where WandaVision starts off, right? It's all kind of fun and quirky. And you get right. a bit of that in a lot of these shows. Um, but but yeah, I mean, in terms of success, they had record subscriber numbers. They beat forecast. And and well, I don't want to delve too much in this part of it, but like the, the, the real reason it's weekly. It's not just because of, you know, they've got to keep that subscriber base and that conversation going week to week. They're very social media driven, Yeah, but it's the merchandise plans. Every yeah. one of these shows, including the Star Wars ones, have a like a named day per week where they drop a new set of merchandise based on that one episode. The Funko Pops, Sideshow Collectibles, they're ready to go that Monday or that Wednesday weekly. Um, so if you released it all at once, how would you do eight weeks of merchandising, right? So That's wild. Well, Disney's always, I mean, they're very sophisticated <laughs> with that. We know yes. that about them. I uh, I was super entertained by the beginning of WandaVision. I was like really, really shockingly impressed with the way that they did a live studio audience. I thought oh, yeah. that was super cool. We'd never seen, uh, you know, anything out of the MCU, but I think anything out of the uh, the superhero space quite like that before. And they really killed it with that. But uh, I think you're right. Like they tried to show off that there was something much, much larger and bigger at play. And then that felt small in comparison to the wackiness of the, of the opening of the show. Yeah. And they had that little organization on the side. Right. Yeah. And like, they kind of set up that guy as a villain and just, it just felt that part felt like very budget TV with bad writing. And it really took away from like the stars of the show and what we really wanted to see. And right. that's disappointing. Although but Agatha, Agatha kicked ass. Agatha was great until yeah. she became a flying Power Ranger villain. Say. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But her, yeah. you know, Catherine Hahn on screen is like, you know, world class. And, and, yeah. I'm, and they're making a show on her. So it speaks volumes to her performance here. So, yeah. Um, and that and song, the, and, right? <laughs> yeah. And the song was amazing. Yeah. It was Agatha yeah. all along. I love that. Uh, <laughs> but you're right. The, the big battle between Agatha and uh, Scarlet, which we've seen that better in the Marvel yeah. space. Yeah, or, or anywhere else, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, okay, so I, I kind of want to get a sense of, uh, I think I did review this. I, I ended up loving it in total, because I looked at the the total sort of experience of WandaVision, but yes, yeah. I had some quibbles and issues with the show for sure, but I want to hear what you thought of WandaVision. What would you give it out of 10? Oh, uh, good question. I, I think uh, it's, it's, it's it's in the end, it's like a 7, 7.5 out of 10. There are moments I love, and there are moments just, didn't work or underdelivered for me. Yeah. I I think when I reviewed it, we didn't have any reference point 
of this like there was no prior Marvel stuff. So sure. I was I was very much in the glow of it. Um, and I enjoyed it more, but I think as the year has gone on, and we're going to get to some of the other shows right now, um, I, I think that there were some other shows that were a little bit more successful all the way across. Um, okay, let's move on to the, the second show right now, which is the, oh, so if I were to review it now with my, you know, my year reflection and looking back at all of these different shows, I'd probably go about an eight out of 10 okay. for WandaVision, because I yeah. loved all of the, uh. Uh, the the flips through time. I just think that that's a really cool conceit in a show per episode like that. I just thought that was really cool. All right, let's talk about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, I, I, this one I think came out in the in the spring, and it had a a very strong you know idea about the passing of the torch of the Captain America shield right from the get go. What were your thoughts on um, the way the Falcon and the Winter Soldier came together and the show in general? This one's an interesting one. This one was the one that was hit hardest by the COVID situation mm. um, in two ways. One, the production got halted, delayed, and they were shooting internationally. So they had to go back and forth, back and forth. But, um, and I don't know how much into the weeds we want to get with this, but, you yeah. know, the main plot line involved vaccines and holding it back from people. So they had to scrap all of that. And there wow. are little elements of that here. And it's certain, a certain villain's mentor dying because of that but it's kind of just thrown on the side so the show doesn't quite make sense if you plot it on paper in terms of like the narrative of the villain and the main arc but they kind of and there was also another character who was supposed to be in the show who got pushed to another series we can talk about later because yeah. um of that covid reason as well but yeah um a lot of people were kind of down on this versus wandavision but i i I would give it to score it a similar score to WandaVision, but for different reasons, different set of highs, different set of lows. Um, I quite like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan together. Um, yeah. They are, uh, you know, like a, an odd couple <laughs> lethal weapon style buddy cop duo that never gets along. I like that. Totally. Yes. Yeah. And the, and I, I like how sort of like WandaVision and these other shows, they're taking a character and either evolving them or passing the torch and creating a, a mentor relationship, which is really cool because it, yeah. it really is, a stopgap and setting up the next, the next, next phase of the cinematic universe, which is wonderful. Um, it, it was okay. I had some really cool action scenes and the stuff I was worried about from the marketing, they actually kind of pulled off in a way. And, and a lot of people don't like us agent, but I think you're not supposed to, I think they did what they were supposed to do with that character. I think, uh, yeah. What's the name of the actor? He, he did it. Wyatt Russell. Kurt Wyatt, Russell's he did son. an amazing, yeah, he's Kurt Russell's yeah. son, right? He did an amazing job because you really I, I don't agree. like him. He wasn't going to fill the, the, uh, the boots of Chris Evans. And he was a terrific foil, you know? He was just filled with ego and expectation and uh, a nice balance to, uh, you know, the kind of muted, do I deserve this kind of vibe that uh, Sam Wilson is giving off, Anthony Mackie's character. Um, and, the, you know, where do I fit in the world? Uh, sort of guilt of Sebastian Stan's Winter Soldier. I thought that, you know, here was this this guy that had been pegged to be this this world-class superhero and he sure did not deserve it and we all felt that you know and <laughs> and and uh you can almost i think the performance is so good because you can feel like the actor d knows that too and he's injecting that into the role totally. it's great i you know i i really liked all that stuff yeah and i think um was it, kingpin then supposed to be in falcon and the winter soldier no the new black widow was supposed to be in it Oh, wow. Florence Pugh, yeah. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. Not a major role, but that was going to be her return initially. Yeah. Oh, and it because of the the way that the movies and TV shows all came out in different ways? Okay, gotcha. And, and yeah, it made sense. Crazy. She fit in Hawkeye very well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, that was going to be part of the plan. I don't know how, I mean, the whole story got changed rapidly. So, but yeah. um, what the show, it was a nice uh, changing of the gears from one division because that was very magical and supernatural and big. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, this one was like, here's the real world. Here's right. what it's like. They have no money. They didn't get paid for that adventure stuff. Yeah. It's a political nightmare around the world as, as it is. You know what I mean? And, and the, yeah. the villains are born out of that. It's a, it's, it's, the story is about people trying to Dude, find a country to live you're, in. You're you know relaying I mean? the plot and I'm, I'm remembering how many cool elements there were like the, there were. the, the, uh, the classic cap that had been side sidelined um, and uh, just yep. had never been uh, respected. Captain uh, or Baron Zemo is fantastic in the show. That's like that, right. hits his That's best right. work in in the MCU in this show. And yeah, yeah and GSP was terrific in this show as well. Like really Batroc cool. the Leaper brought him yeah. back. Yeah, so it, a lot of good callbacks. It was very in the vein of Captain America: The Winter Soldier, yep. which to this day is still my number one MCU film. That's an excellent. And movie. I, I like that real world style. I like you know they, there's a lot of political themes. They, they they touch on racism and and the modern state of the world. They talk about like the, the trauma of what what it means to be a modern in, in the modern military. What does it do to you? And what yeah. if you lose someone? And that's what happens to Wyatt Russell's character, the U.S. agent. So I like that kind of like. It, and also, it it ha- and, and every character in it shows you how great of a person Steve Rogers was. It wasn't yeah. about, you know what I mean? You have to, it's, it's like when you get that super serum, super serum all right, it, it enhances every part of you. In, in, in the case of Wyatt Russell, it's his rage and anger because he lost a friend. And his and, ego, yeah. And, and his trauma. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He wants to help, but he does it in the wrong way. And he just he can't control his temper. And I, we need Also, it honored like Sam Wilson in a really wonderful way, too. Like, yeah. like a guy. Similarly to uh, Steve Rogers, that's that's in it because of his heart and his belief in people and his selflessness. You know, he's not asking for things; he just gives. You know, exactly. Uh, he's and, like he, he's 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 like he's like Clint Barton that way. He's not a company man; he'll yeah. do the right thing. And yeah. he's not in there for the glory or the money. Uh, and he won't take the serum, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know what? Crazy, they they gave him the costume from the comics, and it totally worked. It yes, looked great on screen. Yeah. So, I was happy with that. Yeah, there were a lot of wins in that show. I think Sharon Carter was a bit of a letdown. She didn't feel yeah. it didn't have the gravitas. It didn't really have the uh, the weight of that the the sort of puppeteering machinery behind all of the stuff. Um, yeah. But yeah, there were a lot of wins. That was a very entertaining, you know, forty five minutes every week to look forward to. It's an example Like we talked about all like the, the greatness and the cool, unique elements of, of WandaVision. This one has a lot of cool elements and like little character bits and little yeah. themes. Yes. But overall, it's it's quite messy, again, partly because of COVID. And yeah. also, like you said, they bring back Sharon Carter. Awesome to keep that going. But they didn't give her enough time to make sense of that character. And Zemo, one of the most fun characters to watch on screen, but they don't quite earn yes. every bit of that change. Mm-hmm. You got to remember, this guy's like a murderer. But also, he lost his family. Why is he so happy? So it's not, there's like missing stories in between I would love to see in, in future stories. Yeah, I think uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier could have benefited from more episodes. You know, like I, I feel like they tried to tidy up too many subplots and too many yeah. things too quickly. And it, I, I think it was working even though they had to, you know, as you're telling us, had to kind of rejigger everything to get it all together. I think it was working. I just think that the, everything needed a little bit more breath but, but to, you know to what? really hit. It, it worked so well, despite all those issues. And a lot of people were kind of down on it relative yeah. to WandaVision, you know, yes. not me in the middle. No, I, I enjoyed it too. I think you and I are, are maybe in the minority on that versus yeah. most of social media fandom. But, sure. um, 
but it worked well enough that they made a surprise change to the release slate. They're working on Captain America four with that showrunner and they're going to bring back this crew. So that's a big deal. Like that's awesome. this show worked enough despite all of that, that it's going to yeah. get a $200 million movie, which is amazing. So which is, it totally deserves, you know, like that the setup was all there and the mm-hmm. pieces are all there for something really epic too, which is really cool. And yep. I'd be happy with them coming back and making another season of the show and exploring sort of new dynamics and stuff. Cause mm-hmm. I don't know if winter soldier in particular is a, is a, uh, he's a cool character, but I don't know if he's like a standalone, like let's build a whole story around that character. You know, uh, there, think- there's a story, <laughs> there's a story there I want to tell you, but I'm not sure I can. <laughs> um, I'll say this though. So going back a few years ago, when they were kind of plotting out Avengers Infinity War and Endgame and sort of like resetting the universe after that. Yeah. And again, this was kind of in the time when Disney Plus was just an inkling of an idea. It wasn't yeah. solidified. There was no exact plan for what programming would happen and how Marvel would be involved. At the time, I can safely say, there are a few characters they didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Winter Soldier or the White Wolf or Bucky yeah. Barnes, as it were. Like, yeah. They didn't know. So, yeah. Especially uh, without point, Steve Rogers, right? Like That's that, it. That disconnect is really impactful for this yeah. character. And, yeah. and was it worth exploring another man out of time in the modern world, but this was more trauma? It's like, I've kind of been there, done that. There's a lot of characters with trauma on the show. It's like, yeah. but... Um, but I think they, these ensembles is the way to go. And he's a cool side character and that's fine. Sebastian Stan's great. He's a huge star in his own right now. So yeah. keep, keep, keep doing this. That works. I think so. Yeah. 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 I agree. I agree with you. Uh, thank you very much. The Ren afternoon to you. Thank you for subscribing again. You rock my friend. Um, uh, the opening air battle scene was a 10 out of 10. Uh, Coco beware says about uh, Falcon and the winter soldier. Uh, VR grid is here. Good to see you, my friend. Um, Okay, let's move on. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, Loki, which was the next one. I, I think that came out in June. And again, this I think this may have been the show with maybe the most built-in anticipation because the character is sort of in that upper echelon of familiarity out there. What did you think of the Loki series? Uh Loki is, you know, in contention for being the top of the list for like Disney Plus shows, I think, because um, it's so different. And like you said, Tom Hiddleston is like a world class superstar. Yep. Finding a way to bring him back and using Avengers Endgame to do that was very smart. Um, and I, I, Owen Wilson, what an amazing character for him to play, too, in the MCU. It's such a likable duo. Um, conceptually, on paper, this is a fantastic idea, right? These guys going through time and figuring out this and that, exploring their own version of the multiverse with layers of mystery and also setting up a future villain. There's a lot of cool stuff there. Um, and also, this is the one I think that has the most impressive visuals yeah. in the back half of the series. The first half I was disappointed by because it, it was all in... It was muted in, and orange and brown. And all within, literally all shot within a hotel in the land that I've stayed at. But like, it's 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 all just like, it felt like a closed set. And it's like, this isn't, yeah. this is low-key multiverse time travel. Why are totally. we stuck in a hotel? Yes. But the back half, when they start going off world and seeing a little crazier things, it, it the back, I think this was six episodes, I want to say, and the back three were really up there, like, you know, film scale quality visuals and stylings and cinematography and just craziness. So uh, overall good. But, you know, again, in terms of a score, I'd probably go seven and a half again. It's like amazing highs, but the first half dragged. And I think they took, Loki's a wonderful character, but they take right hook turns or left hook turns like too fast. Like you got to remember, this is a guy who tried to kill everyone on earth, take it over. Yeah. And two days later, he's like, yes. buddy, buddy, I'm going to save her. I'm in love. And it's like, this is, it took you like 
10 years in the other universe to get to this point. It took you two days here. Yeah. A little odd if you think about it, but they're trying to make it relatable, right? So yeah, we we have to kind of think of him as this anti-hero that's sort of has a morality moment and has a change of heart and uh, um, also has perspective that he sees that, you know, like shades of himself across the multiverse are, are, are doing some things that, uh, uh, he wouldn't do now based on yeah. things that he have learned. But yes, I agree with you. And I think that's probably why, um, they decided on a second season, you know, I don't know how soon into the making the, the first season they decided on that, but the idea and the concept and the multiverse threading was too large for the amount of time that we got, I think with the show. Yeah, and it, it plays a little bit into that same thing WandaVision was challenging, right? Because WandaVision hints at like breaking reality or the opening a magic rift or the, the Darkhold book, all these crazy little concepts they don't delve into yet. Yeah, and It's weird, but we're all in the gimmick now. We know it's an ongoing story. This is just one chapter. This does the same thing, right? We get the time travel, a villain they could seemingly kill off. We know who's coming back. Yeah. Um, and again, it seems like they broke the universe at the end. It's like, okay, so you have two shows now that broke different versions of the universe, whether through science or magic or time travel. So yeah. uh, again, it's it's a lot of setup in that respect. Um, but but to go back some, to something you said, I do, I complain about the rushed nature and the erratic changes of the character arc of, of this version of Loki. It doesn't fit for me, mm-hmm. but I will give them credit for like using time travel to show him not just other versions of himself that you say, but like, what happens to the version we know? Like, you know, he yeah. lost his mom. He sacrificed himself for his brother. Yeah. He actually became a bit of a hero despite constantly screwing people over. Um, so that was kind of well done. Um, yes. But, you know, the, the cast, like Tom Hiddleston, really sells it regardless. Yeah. And so. and Sophie, uh, I forget her last name. That uh, I forget. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I interviewed her this year. She was wonderful in the show as Amazing. the as the female Loki. And, and, Great casting. Uh, yeah, great casting, but great discovery of people that we weren't maybe, apart from Owen Wilson and uh, and Tom Hiddleston, there were lots of other supporting actors and cool characters in this that were very, very interesting. Um, the guy that plays uh, uh, Kang the Conqueror. or uh, Jonathan, Wal- uh, Jonathan Majors, yeah. Yeah, Jonathan Majors is incredible in this. What's his name, though, in the show? They don't really call him Kang. They oh, call they him... Call, uh... He refers to himself. He says, some people call me the conqueror. Some people call me, I forget what they call him. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you're. He, he that, does become... that is one of the challenges with this show is that there's millions of versions of characters and different names for them and trying to keep all of the sort of threading together and straight in your head was difficult. And I imagine incredibly hard to like whiteboard that and say, okay, now this is going over here and then and, and we're gonna we're gonna cut to these timelines separating and breaking and this is really gonna create tension for the viewer at home. And <laughs> I think for a lot of viewers at home it's like, what the hell is going on? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But but I know that's it's it's weird, but it's so weird that and they sell it well enough to be like, oh, I, I need to know what's going on next. And it was smart for them to have the season two ready to go or announce mm-hmm. at the end of this. You have to because it just None of this makes sense without it, right? Yeah. Um, but they did a good job, too, with the, the idea of the TVA, the Time Variance Authority. That was super and, cool, and, yeah. And, like, the, the three head leaders who are not real and, and really well done. Um, and also, fun fact, like, it's Gugu Mbatha-Ra plays, like, the, the, the girl, the friend of Morbius, who's, like, the leader of that group yes. that we know. Yeah. She she was going to be in Captain Marvel and, and turned down a role in that. And I'm glad they found a way to bring her in because she's also a super talented actress. So Yeah, she was terrific. Uh, Coco says, uh, he who remains was the that's it yeah that's the name of the the episode too i think yeah 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 he he was amazing like and and he had 
you know, a tremendous responsibility to chew the scenery and do these huge monologues about who he was with this kind of knowing glee in his eyes and, and uh, playing against, <laughs> you know, Hiddleston and, and uh, Sophie. And they were great. It, 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 it felt like a Doctor Who kind of vibe. I, I saw that pop up quite a bit, but I, I dug it. I dug it. it. The, the idea, it's like Doctor Who meets, meets X-Files in a way. If you put like uh, Morbius and them together on, on, on adventures, figuring out stuff, it's yeah. cool. But just to go back to that scene you're talking about, like what a task. You're bringing an actor like that, like Jonathan Majors, who has all, so many amazing projects coming up. And then you, his introduction, he has to go up against these superstars and play such a powerful character who's coming back as a supervillain. Mm-hmm. And then he's improving. Like when he jumps on the table and he's eating the apple, that was all, he made that up on set. So you know this guy is a star and is in love with his role. So that yeah. in and of itself is mega exciting. It's the same thing to go back to Lost. If you ever watched Lost, like yep. I think season two began with the open hatch and you meet this character you've never met before. Desmond. Desmond? He's like, yeah, he has yeah, to yeah. carry a whole episode by himself. You've never met him before. Yeah. And he nails it. And that's yeah. very much what Jonathan Majors does here. So Yeah, good, good callback there. Yeah, Lost yeah. was incredible. So ahead of its time. Um, okay, uh, let's score Loki. We've done, uh, we're seven and a half sevens for Wanda and Falcon, and you're also at seven, seven and a half? I'm going to go, okay, yeah, yeah. So WandaVision seven, Falcon seven, this one's 7.5. Okay, a little bit higher. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I think because of its grand, especially knowing how much the multiverse factors into phase four, this was kind of the first real taste of the future in a way, right? Like the impending doom that's about to befall the entirety of the Marvel universe is sort of teased in this series. And uh, I don't know if it co- completely succeeds because of budgets and, and uh, time constraints and, and all of the weird stuff that they're throwing against the wall, but it, it mostly did. Uh, I, I'm I'm 8.5, I think, on Loki right now, which yeah, I really dug. I, I, honestly, I've been a fan of all of these things so far. Uh, next up, though, we're going to be moving into... Uh, the first of the Phase 4 movies that we saw in 2021, which was a weird fit because this was mostly a a throwback. This was a, uh, a flashback sequence for Black Widow and her backstory and her history. And they marketed this movie, you know, I think kind of reinforcing that Black Widow has been a really important character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe all the way along. But do we really know her? And that's what the task of the film sort of set out to do. What did you think of uh, of the Black Widow film? Uh, Black Widow starts strong. I like that intro. It feels darker. It felt like they were watching the show The Americans, which the is Americans, the yeah. series, which to me is one of the greatest shows show. ever made. And I yes. was hoping for that, but with the Marvel yep. flair and superheroism, we don't get that after the first 10 minutes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, look, they, they took a wonderful cast to get David Harbour and Rachel Wise in there. Florence Pugh is such an amazing get as like the next Black Widow who plays, yep. uh, you know, ScarJo's sister in this. Um, it'd be cool if this very Russian set film had some Russian talent on screen. Mm. Um, they Good point. fail in that capacity where the Americans, to keep making that comparison, did well. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think this movie is like... At first, I was excited by the idea of finally getting this character the solo film. Like yes. this was the year we get Hawkeye and Black Widow, the humans of the Avengers, get their own shows or, or movie. And her hers kind of underwhelmed. They had this big cast, big budget, and and but more than almost any other Marvel production, this feels like a movie where like the director Kate Shortland got to shoot her character bits, and the rest of it was prefab pre-designed made right. by a different company before she even came on board. It felt like, yeah, and it felt so disconnected and cheap compared to like 
the actual story. Like you get, I'd rather see two hours of the five characters sitting at a table arguing than see the motorcycle sequences, the flying weird thing falling out of the sky and explosions. Mm. And it's like, these are supposed to be human super spies who have been brainwashed and can affect the world. Instead, right. we're getting goofy red lights and explosions. And it's like, it's, they, I think they just completely missed the mark uh, for the bulk of this film. And it's a yeah. waste of talent. It does work really hard to connect to what we would think of the MCU rather than try to craft its own full-on identity. And in that way, I think, uh, uh, you know, WandaVision and Loki are much more successful at doing something like that. And I think Black Widow could have been more in that direction for sure. I think that there's there's really cool pieces. Um, the yeah. the, uh, the villain of uh, of the Black Widows, the leader of the Black Widow, uh, I forget what his name is. Uh, Ray Winstone plays the character. Yeah, Ray Winstone. He's yeah. awesome. Like, you really hate the guy, and, and he's very despicable, and that whole idea of you know, engineering all of these minds to serve as his uh, agents out there and, and do all of this harm in the world. That that was cool, but it, we could have explored that in a in a more rich kind of way, for sure. Yeah, uh, the idea of like manipulating markets to control the world is genius. Like, absolutely. Yeah. That's what yeah. like, these covert, amazing world-class spies would do, but they're not supposed to be robots. <laughs> they're yeah. supposed to be like elite assassins who were brainwashed enough to kind of, you know what I mean? But instead totally. it's like, they shoot red mist and all of a sudden you're healed. And it's like, what? It felt like it's very agents of shield season one gimmick. Mm, and it's like, yeah. guys, we're 20 movies deep, tell better stories. You know what I mean? Um, I think they've missed the mark on this one. I, let's just say, I don't think that director is going to be coming back uh, right. after that experience. So um, it's a waste, but they're setting up characters to come back. And I think, I think Marvel learns from their mistakes. You know what I mean? You go, you know, so, so uh, I think, you go to the, watch the Thor movies and watch Thor Ragnarok. I think right. if, if these Black Widow characters come back, and they are, um, I think we're going to get a better showing the next time around. I, I, I do have to say, though, that I I mean, I loved Red Guardian and I loved uh, Melina. I loved the, the, the sort of mother figure that Rachel Weisz played and Florence Pugh is a star, you know, like they... They definitely put pieces in place that are really enjoyable. And Very really likable fun. pieces. Yeah. yeah. And like watch I've watched the movie again on Disney Plus and I had a really good time with the movie, but it doesn't stack up to the best that the MCU delivers. Yeah. I think it, maybe it's expectations is coming after, you know, Avengers and it's like finally they're giving Scarlett yes. Johansson the big solo film. And yeah. it's like this is gonna be the Captain America Winter Soldier for that character and they're gonna it take all the been learnings. Grittier. You're right. Make something awesome. But yeah, yeah, it should be cleaner too. It shouldn't yeah. be like goofy explosions falling through the sky. Like that's not what these characters do. Like that's not what makes them cool. And we've already seen that with one of the uh, the massive uh, shield ships falling from the exactly. sky. Exactly. They tried to replicate that feeling, but it's like, that's not what's cool about that. What's yeah. cool is like the helicopter, like the, the elevator fight scene, which is more intimate. Or what's even more cool is the espionage. Because like the Black Widows are hyper intelligent. They're totally. smart. It They're trained to more manipulate. like a Jason Bourne movie than it did. That's it. Jason Bourne, who defeats the scene with a walkie-talkie, not with yeah. two guns blazing explosions. You know what I mean? So yes. um, it's a wasted opportunity. But but they, like you said, this is one of those cases where they have a bunch of really cool ingredients, toys they added to the toy box, right? Yeah. Really amazing. Red Guardian's awesome and likable. And one day, if they can do a flashback where he does somehow get to meet a version of Captain America, that would be such a wonderful scene. That would be so, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So what would you score the Black Widow film? 
I go six out of ten on this one. Six? I, I'm at a seven. I still found enough enjoyable stuff in there. I liked it more when I first reviewed it, but uh, in context of, of this sort of MCU sort of looking back at the year, I'm still yeah. at a seven. I, I think it's definitely worth watching for sure, but mm-hmm. yeah, issues, absolutely. Um, all right, let's move to the first MCU animated work, and hopefully, well, I know we're getting more, but uh, yeah. uh, what did you think of What If? Uh, hard to watch. Um, yeah, this one didn't work for me. This, this is, there are some cool ideas there, but they don't play, they, they kind of start the idea and don't really execute much on them. And mm. part of it's the format and it's very short form. Um, <clears throat> but the idea of exploring all the versions of characters is amazing and having like the, the watcher as this connected figure seeing it all and having to get involved. is like a wonderful idea, but, um, it, it, it was a little jarring to see like two thirds of the cast returned to voice their characters and then a bunch of the stars not there. Yeah. It it makes you feel like, okay, they're not taking this seriously enough. Is it really part of the MCU? Like, um, but there's some standouts, right. And and I don't know, you can tell me which episodes you love most, but you know, when I seen dark Dr. Strange was really cool. That was was an amazing episode. And they're fun. That was bits. depressing as hell. That episode, <laughs> the Doctor Strange. Totally, but yes. but it, it speaks very in the vein of like that's who he is, right? Yeah. He, he watched the beginning, the first hour of the Doctor Strange movie by Scott Derrickson. It's dark, yeah, and creepy. Like what happens yeah. his hands and what he goes through. It's like it's people don't. It's and we're going to talk about that with the Spider Man movie because I I have some issues with Spider Man because of that specific thing actually. Ah, interesting. Yes. Yeah. Uh, me too. Um. Yeah, so they have some cool ideas, but they don't really execute it on it at all. And I felt like it felt, I don't know. I think after seeing DC animated films and after seeing what they right. did with the Spider-Verse and the Sony side of things, this just felt like cheap and throwaway. It's something like if there's anything in the MCU that you don't have to see, it's everything that happened here. Um, and but they it's made, tying in, though. It's it's multiverse it's, stuff. Yeah, yeah sort I, of. I know we're going to get a live action watcher. I mean, they wouldn't hire Jeffrey Wright and we don't get to see him be that guy. It's it's very. I think a lot of these things you may see some version of. I mean, yeah. they, they certainly merchandise that you can get your Captain Carter and Iron whatever. I mean, I, I have that, that was right kind of there. a cool episode too. There you go. I I, and, I freaked out with Captain Carter. I absolutely loved that show because I'm such a huge fan of First Avenger and and the sort of 40s vibe of of the first Captain America movie. An absolute I, highlight that episode. And that was incredible. Too. And I had my hands in the air. I was like watching it. I'm like, I cannot believe this is happening. And I also love the animation through the show. Absolutely. And there's some cool bits in the zombies one as well. But I did find it a little bit up and down. And I also yeah. found it... Um, throughout the course of the season, I also found it quite depressing that a huge chunk of it was just to turn the care, the heroes into assholes. And they were just either being killed or they, they did awful things to each other. Uh, I did like the, you know, elements of the Thor one as well. The, the, uh, the battle between Thor and uh, Captain Marvel was, was actually really cool. And we got to see yeah. them go back and forth. And I, you know, in general, loved the look of the show. I thought it was cool, but I agree with you. I, it didn't stick the landing. I think that big, you know, multiverse Avengers combination didn't quite work. It didn't really might make sense as to why the Watcher picked these heroes. Yeah, that's the part that doesn't make sense because it makes him think, okay, he doesn't he, he doesn't know what he's talking about, or he's yeah. not seeing the same thing. So that part it weakens the character and the, and the plot, mm-hmm. but also because of timing, one of the episodes they pulled out, so we don't get to see the Gamora Iron Man episode to explain why she's in the finale. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. You see a, like a preview of it in the last episode, but it doesn't make sense because the episode doesn't exist. It's coming out in season two. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's why would they release like eight ninths or seven eighths of a season? No, I think know? it was nine episodes and not 10. 
Oh, yeah, there you go. So yeah. very strange, that decision. But uh, but even like, for example, if I had to say top two or three, the Captain Carter episode was one of my favorites. Yeah. But even looking at it, though, it's they're just retelling Captain America. And that's the Avenger. challenge, too, is and that they, like, they went with the familiar. Yes, agree. Yeah. And 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 they had to use the, the you know, the cast that we already knew already. Like they didn't put Shang-Chi in there. They didn't. They didn't tee up any other. The, I mean, this would have been an amazing place to introduce the Eternals, you know. Yeah. So that exactly. we had they've been there all along. Yeah. yeah. And so we had some familiarity with them, or the Watcher looks to the Eternals, or some of the big uh, the it, Celestials, or something like that. It, Agreed. It, it, and and that's I think part of it is Marvel juggling so many balls and just trying to figure out how to get all of these things out to people and have them make sense it. for people. I, I think one of the producers at Marvel Studios, it's Victoria Alonso, I think she's taking over like the whole animated division now. And I think yeah. this didn't have a structure in place. This felt very sidelined and not much yes. attention was paid to it because he, first of all, all these what if scenarios, they never actually tell you what happened. What if this happens? What is the end result? Well, we they don't, don't have the, yeah, the we resolution. Just see it. We just see different versions with gimmicks of stuff we've already seen for the yes. most part. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, not to get into the nitty gritty too much, but at the end, you know, all this is super Ultron with the stones going through universes. Yeah. They told us in Loki, once you leave your universe, your stones are irrelevant. They only work in your universe. Yet he is flying through universes. And it's like, wait, you just, within three months, you've like, contradicted the whole premise of the show so i didn't quite understand and you know we asked the director about it and they didn't really have an explanation that made sense so i felt yeah like it's hard to get excited for season two for me so well um. I, I think that's one of the challenges with the multiverse in general like it, it's it opens up so many problems you know plot wise well, yeah, you have the uh, plot device, which lets you do anything you want. Yeah. How do you have a plot that's relevant, right? So yeah, and we'll, we'll get into that. I think in a little bit here. Um, I I really enjoyed What If because of its creativity, and I didn't grow up reading the Marvel books, and so my full introduction to my most of my introduction to Marvel has been through the movies and through these characters. Um, I've read a bunch of comics since then, but I never read the What If comics at all so this was kind of my first taste of that idea of you know shifting all of these different viewpoints and focuses i do think that this was up and down but i mean i absolutely love the dr strange episode i loved i was the captain carter thing might be my favorite thing that i've seen in phase four even if it is familiar i just love that peggy uh carter was uh, you, you know uh, honored in that way, you know, Again. and respected in that way, and put it, and uh, the way that Steve Rogers is still a hero in the Hydra Stomper, I mean, that was just that sent chills down my spine. I was like, oh my god, of course he would find a way to still punch Nazis in the face. Mm -hmm. I freaking adored that, and the animation of that was like 3D Iron Giant for me. I was like, it was, Holy yeah, crap, this is so beautiful. So I'm choking up thinking about it. I love I, that. Stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Vic, what if we just got a two-hour movie of, of Captain Carter? Wouldn't that have been better than all the other yes, nonsense? <laughs> yes, because they never hit that high again for the whole no, season. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, yeah, it's too bad. But I, th I do think, again, this is like the Black Widow. I promise I'm going to get more positive after this. But like, what if Black Widow are the, are the misfires for me? Yeah. This one more so. But sort of like Black Widow, you do get a couple of these like gems that you want to see, like Dark Doctor Strange. We are going to see a version of that. And then the whole Captain Carter crew is awesome. And it speaks volumes to like, Agent Carter had her own show and it was cool. And then yeah. she was a great character. They're making character. a Marvel Zombies show too, right? They so are. Yeah. So they're doing, is, is that animated or what are they doing with this? I is think it's an animated spinoff of that. 
of, sort of that the episode. episode. We saw. That yeah. was a cool one too. Although the, the the concept was bigger. I mean, it was the whole world, right? So it's hard right. to put that into thirty minutes. It, it was uh, a good. It was some cool characters they chose for it, though. You got to see like Spidey and Evil Hand yeah. Pym and stuff. So yeah. And and the Wasp was honored in that one too. Big time. Which, which was yeah. That was a yeah. I I'm more positive about what if I I there's a lot of elements in there that I just really adored. But I agree. I didn't love every episode. You know. Uh, what would you give it? <laughs> Four out of ten. Wow! I thought oh, it was man. genuinely big. No, I think it's <laughs> there was three episodes that were watchable or enjoyable, but I think the rest of it was genuinely bad for me. Right? Wow! No <laughs> way am I going yeah. that low. I, it's I'm okay. At, I'm at least a seven and a half, veering to eight because of Captain. Good for Carter. you. I love that. I love so much of that episode of I that series. <laughs> okay. Um, we're we're jumping back into the MCU movies now, and we're going to talk a little bit about Shang Chi and Here we go. the Legend of the Ten Rings. Which uh, God, that was a, a crowd pleasing film, was it? Was it? Oh, yeah, and our, yeah. our Canadian boy Simu Liu yes. lives like thirty minutes from me. Uh, okay, I, this is the movie, right? So, so hands down of the whole year, like as a standalone, solid, executed story, the best. Marvel Studios did this year. Incredible a, origin movie. With, with a brand new character. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Destin came in, just crushed it, and yeah. he directed every bit of it, including the action, which mm-hmm. Marvel doesn't that many people do. So good on them. Wow, he also that's helped great. write it. He helped write it. So hell's yeah, he's doing the sequel. So so um, so just to go back, Comic-Con 2019 in the before times, Marvel has another big panel in Hall H, right? You might have been there. But yeah. so when he came out on stage, like Daniel Destin Cretton came out and it tells a story like, Hey, we've been searching around the world. We are looking everywhere. We found Shang-Chi and they bring out Simu by himself. Yeah. No one knows who he is. No, unless you're watching Kim's convenience or whatever, uh, us Canadians. And then, uh, he comes out stage and he just owns it. And he sold me so hard. I'm like, this guy is the new ambassador for the franchise. You had, you had your Robert Downey, you had yeah. Chris Evans, this is the guy. He's what so I to- smart and likable and intelligent. That's what I told him when I when I talked with him. I said they <sighs> they found somebody at that Chris Evans, Robert Downey Jr. level 100%. to be this character. I cannot imagine anyone else being this character and fitting into this world other than this actor uh, who is, you know, incredibly articulate and passionate and into it and a fan of it and mm-hmm. uh, he's one of us in a lot of ways you know like totally. he grew up with these damn movies he's he's very he's he, i think he's in his early 30s right now so he's yeah. he's been a part of this whole thing all the way as a fan and he just knows the weight of it and the responsibility of it and i agree De- destin daniel cretton just killed it with uh, the way that he put this movie together i told him when i talked to him that i would have been happy just for aquafina and simu liu just chatting a just a movie about them parking cars for two hours. <laughs> they were they were <laughs> so LA's, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they they were a so perfect pairing. Th- that's what. Yeah, I, I'm gonna give all the credit to to, to Destin Daniel Credit because like there are things that I thought wouldn't work. Right, seeing Aquafina, it's like that's too much, too much comic relief. But she's not. Yeah. She's like yeah. better than that, and it's not your standard like romantic couple. It's like no, they're friends, and they're like they're like dealing with craziness in a real yeah. world way. Yeah. But also, like I thought, the marketing for the for the film was weak. It was bad. Mm, the yes, trailers yeah. felt weird. I'm like, oh, the action and music strange. But when you see the complete scenes in context, it, it kicks ass. The action yeah. is amazing. Yeah. The music choices are, are ten out of ten, and and Aquafina is awesome, and everyone's awesome, and I, all the little worries I had from bad marketing were alleviated. And uh, it's it's they, a hard hit, one to market because there's a lot of surprise in the movie. 
you know? And unlike yeah. Sony, I think Marvel's got a, a better idea of how to keep their surprises. <laughs> surprises. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so much of the, the weight of the, you know, like they tease it with the monsters and things like that in the trailers, but they, it's more like mysterious. They don't like show it full front and center. And I think it's that, that connection through time that makes Shang-Chi such a cool experience, you know, and, and a little bit of, you know, cool Marvel cameos and things that we see with Abomination and, and, uh, yeah, and Wong, and yeah. Wong jumping into that fight. Uh, but yeah, like it, it is, um, uh, it's a film that it works on a ton of different levels. And I think the primary thing is that connection between Aquafina and Simu Liu. Like that That's is it. just such a beautiful friendship uh, and you're really concerned about them and you really see that they care about each other. And because they are so good as performers, we're in, you know, like we're so heavily invested in that film. Yeah. And, and despite really the fanta- well yeah, and despite the fantastical elements in the, in the third act, like yeah. they do a good job of balancing that with like real practical shooting. Like the, the, all the set pieces from like the infamous like bus sequence down the street to. Yeah. To, to like uh, fighting on the side of that building. They actually built those sets and did the work and, and it was the actors doing the action. So, and you know, I always appreciate it when they do that because it, it really shows on screen yeah. versus the mess that was, in my opinion, with all the Black Widow action scenes. So right. um, they did it right with this one. Um, I really wish Black Widow got the same treatment and love that Shang-Chi did. But Well, the fantastical stuff also felt grounded to the story. You know, it Absolutely. felt like it made sense, you know, and that Tony Leung's character, the Mandarin has been this omnipresent, super powerful character, and he just wants his family to follow in his footsteps. There was a pathos to that, too, which I, th- I really appreciated as well. And that mysticism, that you know, tapping into that in the story was just, it was such a thrill. It was such a treat to see all of that up on screen, you know, these magical, mystical beings and creatures and characters and uh, this hidden village. And I, I loved all of that, you know. And then also uh, uh, Ben Kingsley... <laughs> As Trevor coming back, which was absurd. That was the thing that was the toughest to convincingly make work in this movie. But they did. And he's amazing in the movie. Yeah. Normally, I'd be like rolling my eyes at that. But because that combination of characters and because I love Ben Kingsley, Sir Ben Kingsley, and he really goes for it, Trevor Slattery. And and if man, man, just going back in time, like remember the Iron Man three controversy about him not being the. I love that movie so much. I have a Me hot too. toys of Trevor Sla- of of the Mandarin. <laughs> I have him sitting on his throne. I paid two hundred and something dollars to have a Ben Kingsley twelve inch action figure. So because what I an amazing, what an amazing payoff! Because remember, people yes. were, people were livid saying that's not the Mandarin. I'm like, yeah. we know he's a yeah. fake Mandarin that he yes. created. That's the genius and of that movie. Exactly. And poor Drew Pierce had to make that that all hail the king. Mark Marvel short to explain yeah. he's not the real Mandarin, but yes. take him and they paid off here. Yeah. Props to Marvel, home yes. run on that. So yeah. and in such a clever, you know, authentic way that feels like it's not undermining any of the choices or the work, and it makes sense. You know, yeah, I I loved uh, uh, I love that I t- character. I tell you what, though, the only thing so that worked for me. The only one thing I was kind of like ah uh, towards the end is like the cute little animal buddy. That was okay because it was partnered with Slattery and it's like, that kind of makes sense. Whatever. (laughs) You know, it's typical, whatever. (laughs) Let him do his thing. You got to sell the merch. But um, no, it's it's, it's another one of those cases where it's like, here's a portal to another dimension. Yes. Soul Reaper. It's like, what is all of that? Anything else? Come on, guys. Like, does this even need to be here? Um, I I think that there's uh, honestly less to um, 
dig into around there when you couple it with you know mythology you know the the ancient chinese mythology and and tapping into this the the mega spiritualism that is implicit in this the, yeah. the story that's crafted they then enough there yeah then you know the doctor strange let's open portals to different movies kind of thing <laughs> <laughs> but it's <laughs> like it- we have the time travel, the multi-dimensional stuff, and the magic one division. Now we have these soul-based creatures who can yeah. only kill a dragon. It's like you, you went one level too far. Like that, maybe that if that's a big part of the sequel, fine. But like you're doing too much already with it. You got to close these other rifts, of which there are three now. Yeah, not open a new one here. So that was a little weird. And I did think they were a little heavy-handed in like the Mark Ruffalo, Brie Larson cameos. It just felt like a little bit. Not up to the par of the rest of the film. Yeah. Maybe, yes. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, I still, I love that movie. But I, I do I'm, love it. I'm I'm at a nine for Shang-Chi. I thought it was amazing. Yeah, I, I'm going to go nine as well. Yeah. Incredible film. Um, okay. Let's talk about a not so incredible film. Uh, Eternals was was up <laughs> next in, uh, in November. Um, what did you think of Eternals? Yeah, this is a weird one. Another one where the marketing was absolutely not working working nope. for me and of course they have oscar winning director chloe zhao and nomad land all this hype yeah and but the like talent the, the, is incredible in this movie let's be amazing honest. huge yeah worldwide diverse super acclaimed cast um in a movie that looks like they could have shot in my backyard it, it's it's very you know for like they kept hyping up the cinematography and what that ended up meaning is like they went to an open desert and shot a couple scenes with no set. And then they went to an open snow thing and shot a couple scenes with people in tights and no set. And it's like, that's not what I want from awesome cinematography. I want, <laughs> I want great set design and atmosphere and cinematography, not just an open shot of again, like what you see. In a couple yeah, of window. It's like, it, I, I love Nomadland. I don't know if you saw <laughs> Nomadland. It was yeah. a wonderful movie, but it is like Chloe just kept moving the camera. And then the Eternals people were all just off to the side of the Nomadland. I know. Land it's like, <laughs> it's like all they did was give them the weird costume and, and then, those costumes sucked i mean they just yeah, really did this is a movie inside baseball that's what i do so yeah. we we did the set visit on this and it was the last day of shooting and it was organized like the day before so it was yeah. all rush rush and we went to set and we and producer nate moore who did like i want to say he did civil war black panther a couple of them he he, he wonderful articulate speaker and a wonderful producer yeah and it, but he was very open about this film saying like this is very rushed and every set or every like department head we spoke to and the, and the talent were like, this is super rushed. Like normally you get like eight costumes for this and eight secondary costumes and you get like, you know, whatever, two and a half months. So we had two weeks to make a third of those costumes. And it's like, oh, wait, wow. what? This is a movie heavily reliant on, this is the only thing they wear. Right. So, yeah. and so I felt uh, a little weird. Um, yeah. It's the, from a design standpoint, the costumes, the triangle, lifeless ship and yeah. they didn't do much they, they had the celestials but show them just for seconds and don't do anything really cosmic with them it just all the cool concepts i thought we we're gonna get like a guardians but like crazier in totally space. yeah and we got barely any of that we just got people standing around in open sets uh, a lot yeah and and there was this expectation that they were going to get the marvel laugh you know like we were going to be in on it you know and yeah the 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 script wasn't funny and there's sequences in there where they're supposed to be bantering and, and, and uh, goofing on each other and stuff. There's a couple of cool kind of ish moments in there for sure, but it wasn't a James Gunn script. It wasn't like, you know, we really get inside on all of these characters. I mean, there's some interesting thematic elements in here and some interesting types of characters and some interesting moments, but I wasn't laughing. I, I didn't feel like I was really, 
I didn't know the characters, you know? So that job one of the film was to like really give us moments with each one of these different characters that really registered and worked and gave us empathy yeah. for them. For characters who are essentially immortal and have been through the ages, I was expecting to see like a deep dive into something, right? Yeah. A combination of cosmic lore and history and earth. And we barely scratch the surface totally. on either of those things. Yes. And then the conflict, they tease it as like, well, they, these are the Eternals. They are here to face the deviants. And what are the deviants? CGI things that do yeah. CGI things. Like, yes. Who cares? Yeah. They're not people or they, no. they might as well be fighting stick men that I drew on the screen. Like, exactly. It's just, it's, they, they have to learn that the CGI drones don't work and we don't care. Yeah. Um, so they should have focused on that and like the discovery of how they've been in part of the history on Earth or something, but they don't. They don't do honestly, that. Like the big reveal is that the people, the the, cre- the celestials that build them are also the bad guy, and it's sort of yeah, sort of, and that should have been yeah. the first thing. Like that shouldn't have been the shocking surprise of the movie. That should have been the first thing that we got to know about, and then that sort of says, oh my god, so these these. The, they're basically replicants. They're basically Blade Runner replicants that are having to contend with their immortality, but it can all go away. Yeah, yeah. they have so many sci-fi concepts like that that they just yeah. kind of throw against the wall, and it muddles the, the bigger ideas this movie ends up landing on, which is yes. like the Eternals are seeding the universe. They are the growers. They are the, sort of like the beyonders, I guess, from the comics in that yeah. way. But So they are building the universe, and to do so, they find these habitable planets that are seeds, I guess, or, or hosts to new celestials. So I'm like, okay, that's kind of a neat sci-fi concept. What about these things and these things and these things and these things? Yes. And also who are these characters? And it's- That should have been the beginning of the film. You're <laughs> going to seed the universe. Like that should not have been kept as the surprise of the movie because yeah, we, we have is. two hours of movie that we don't care about these characters. And then here's why we're supposed to care about them because they, they're they being puppets and they're being utilized. And, and I, uh, um, I, who's yeah. who does uh, Richard Madden play? What's his character? I don't even know their, their names. The... Um, I don't know, but he he's the one uh, that's Ajax, sort of following plays, orders. Yeah, you know, it's like, well, he's he's a puppet that just wants to continue being a puppet, and it's like there's no there's no weight to any of that, you know. No, like, it's weird. I do like the idea that one of the Eternals is bad, and it's the strongest one. It's sort of yeah. like on paper, that's kind of a neat idea. It's like, like uh, you know, the cool. Omega. That's it. And cosmic yeah. beings seeding the universe. Okay, cool. But they like, show us the cosmic beings in the universe, not just like. CGI thing in the background talking yeah. to you. And it's like CGI hey, this is alligators. Not, like just read Jack Kirby comics. This is it, it can be done better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so it's a mess. And I know it's because it's rushed and it's one of those cases where I, I feel like they have his director who's like, who's acclaimed and talented. And again, probably didn't have full control over the film. And they have these amazing stars who are just vying for a chance to join the MCU. Yeah. And they give him this kind of mess. So um, and then afterwards well, I'll give you well, one perfect example of where the movie uh really kind of let me down because I, you know, Kamal Nanjiani, he was all over everything about his huge transformation and, and he looks incredible. And, and, you know, he was probably the most life in the film, you know, and I had read that they were going to do a, um, a Bollywood type musical number and it's in the movie, but it's not as good as the Bollywood musical <laughs> numbers that are in the Bollywood movies. Like yeah. <laughs> this is a this is a Marvel film. They should have like amplified that times a hundred, and it should have been the most spectacular Bollywood sequence, you know, musical thing we've ever seen. And it wasn't. It was just like, yeah, okay, yeah, that was all right. Yeah. Here, here's the funniest thing: all that working out, and you know what? He's not even in the final fight. <laughs> he just walks out of the film before they fight. Uh, oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So it's. <laughs> 
I don't know, but you said the replicants. So I'm like, okay, so everyone can come back. And now the, yeah. the, the post-release PR parade has been weird because that producer, Nate Moore, is like talking down expectations and saying people expected too much. I'm like, no, man, you guys just didn't deliver the film. They That's didn't part deliver of it. it. Yeah. Hey, yeah. And, and it's the, the other- only rotten movie on yeah. Rotten Tomatoes, right? And, it's the only one with the rotten and score. It, and on. it definitely didn't meet financials, the financial targets either. Yeah. So yeah. Which by is Marvel insane. standards, it's a ball. With all, so. Yeah, with all of those different actors and, you know, because Guardians shouldn't have worked. It shouldn't have worked. It, it was like, an, like, who knew? I didn't know any of those characters. And it was an amazing movie. And, I, you know, I don't... It's crazy that Marvel had the trust and the and the um, the know-how, the the sort of expectation that people would come to that and love it. And I think that they went in with a little bit too much arrogance around Eternals. I think more homework should have been done to kind of uh, really get us to know who these characters were and to care about them. And what if would have been an interesting? I mean, it should have been like a, a year prior. We should have seen Eternals popping up in the frame of some of the other movies or something. That's kind of it. This is another Marvel yeah. behind-the-scenes mess. The Turtles was not supposed to come out now. It, this was supposed to be the Guardians 3, but because they fired James Gunn and rehired him, they had to bring something cosmic forward, and this is what happened. So yeah. this is all Marvel's I love that you bring the, the, the business strategy to this conversation, too. Well, I it is, because awesome. these these are not these are not stories you're telling us. These are these are, these are product platforms that yeah. are arranged accordingly. And it's yeah. like when there's, a, when there's an interruption in that, it ripples through every single thing they're planning, which totally. is like half the shows we're talked about so far. I've been affected by some business reason, right? Totally. Not just the pandemic. Um, Icarus, that's his name. Icarus, um, yeah. Gets flies too close to the sun. Um, yeah. So weird, and it's weird because they also said he's like. Can we talk spoilers. We are talking. Spoilers. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Icarus like dies in the end. He kind of sacrifices himself by flying too close to the sun. That's the yeah. story of Icarus, right? Yeah. But then they said he's never coming back. And I'm like, wait, you just showed us like endless yeah. replicant models yes. of them and their memories. What do you mean he's not coming back? <laughs> <laughs> he's just it's a robot. A, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's too bad. What what would you give Eternals then? Uh, this was probably a six for me. I, I actually liked the action scenes a little bit. Like they went crazy. The effects could have been better, but they did yeah. a little bit of that Zack Snyder, like the, the, the speed and those characters sure. and, yep. and, and Druig, who I thought was terrible in the trailers, ended good. up being an amazing character yeah he was he was good i actually think he was the most interesting character in the film although i did like uh i don't i don't know the character and i don't know the actor i did i did like the main character that they focused on i thought she was oh seriously seriously yeah yeah, um and i don't i I mean i don't know what they could have done just to save the film but it didn't work for me i i would give it a i don't know four and a half or a five you know like it's really mediocre yeah, I mean, we can spec the what if of this is interesting, but you're right. I mean, they could have planted seeds for these characters in, in what if in other movies for a period of time. And yeah. three years from now, we get the Eternals after more cosmic stuff, and it, and it makes more sense. And they can totally. slow it down and yeah. and not rush the whole thing. But yeah, yeah they, they this is supposed to be an important part of the future of the MCU, and they kind of misfired. Yeah, so, yeah. I don't know. Um, if, do you think we're going to get more Eternals? I'm sure they were planning on Eternals too, but it's going to have to be something very different or they're just going to show up in other, other films, which we can talk about. Like, you know, we have uh, Dane Whitman played by you know, Kit Harrington. We have a game of Thrones reunion in this show, right. Yeah. Um, uh, in this movie. And you know, he, he's supposed to be a major character, right. Which they don't really explain in this. He has a post credit scene yeah. where he gets this magical and they sword. Don't, they don't show blade. And, and you get I voice thought... over a blade. We haven't met yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, so a lot of, again, like half baked ideas that, could be cool for fans who know and they i'm sure they will be cool but half of these characters in this film are supposed to be at one point or another a part of the avengers team 
I don't know if anyone wants that now. So no, totally. Um, I read Earth one. says I had nothing invested in the Eternals and they didn't give me a reason to get hyped. Um, and he says so. So like Jupiter ascending. That was the uh, Netflix superhero show, right? Or no. Or was that Jupiter, the uh, uh, no Jupiter's Legacy was the Jupiter's one. Legacy. Jupiter's Ascending was the Wachowski movie. Yeah, yeah, uh, that didn't work. I actually didn't mind Jupiter's Legacy on Netflix, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Marvel stuff. <laughs> uh, next up is another MCU uh, Disney Plus show. This was Hawkeye. I think you're a fan. Yes. Oh, uh, you mean of the the best Avenger? Yes, <laughs> <Yeah>. of course. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did you like the uh, the show? Did it, did it all come uh, together for you? Uh, mostly, it, it was fun. Um, I will say the same thing about every Disney Plus show: high highs and low lows. Like, mm. like they're almost there. And I think you put it well. It's it's a pandemic, and it's the first year they're doing this. Yeah. But, um, it's one of those cases where, like, look, this is an, a stronger ABC cable show where they just have instead of like twenty million, they have one hundred and fifty million dollars in big name at, at talent attached. Right. Um, right. But yeah, there's highs and lows. I mean, look, also I a think, Shane Black kind of I, I, I that the ripple of Shane Christmas. Black scripts, <laughs> yeah, was kind of in this. You know, a I don't. Bit. Yeah, it's like the influence of that. A little Iron Man three, a little Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And of you course, know, the Christmas theme, which is like a Shane Black thing. So, uh, and I like that too. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. It, it, the, 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 when they were on screen riffing on each other that was really fun i one totally. thing i would say about this though like if you've read the matt fraction books it's nowhere near as good as the storytelling in the matt fraction books one of the best comics marvel has ever done but totally. uh, yeah matt fraction wrote it david Aha did, did, did a lot of the art um amazing that's, that's definitely the inspiration for this whole thing and the tracksuit sure. mafia and the car chase sequence and, and them stuck together in the city so in the yep. kate bishop relationship yeah the, the the show kind of starts weak for me to be honest because like the whole kate bishop her intro and her family just felt like cringe and over the top and weird and then once they start interacting and, and clint barton comes in uh, i think clint barton is one of the greatest characters because he's the most relatable right in, yeah. in, in a lot of ways right obviously he's got no powers but somehow despite a lack of alien artifacts and cosmic powers or infinity stones or iron man suits or money or even a gun yeah he has joined in and survived and won every combat encounter he's ever been in and he does this while keeping a family and kids safe on the side who, other, well, who it, else does that uh, yeah and and, and uh, no sorry Vic. Wait, wait also who do you send in to take a super villain and turn them into a hero whether it's wand and quicksilver or not just one but two black widows yeah right clint barton right? yeah yeah it's incredible and he does it with him- heart and he does it with uh um duty a sense of like honor and uh and and you can see you know kind of batman-esque that it's that free of uh all of the extra superhero kind of qualities that makes him that much more super heroic and so influential to kate bishop who i agree didn't have the the strongest reveal but you can certainly see that growth and and uh, by the time she is kind of relaying that she saw Hawkeye falling off the building totally. and how much that meant to him, uh, you can feel the weight of that and why she's now a significant part of the MCU. I think some of the most heartfelt moments, like dramatic beats throughout the entire MCU have been the little Clint Barton moments, right? Yeah. Whether it's connecting with Natasha, but the real ones come in, like Age of Ultron, people think it's the lesser of the Avenger films, but the farm sequence and him and Laura talking and how he 
meets Wanda and converts like all, all those fights. He's amazing. It, it, yeah. It's wonderful how he talks and handles that and how he keeps his secrets on the side. And he's not in it for glory. He's not in it for money. Yeah. He doesn't want attention. And it's funny. They even talk about that. They said, Kate says, your issue is branding. Yeah. He doesn't want that. He doesn't and want nobody the knows male. who he is. He That's walks great. around in New York and so he's, he's completely doing it anonymous. For the right reasons. Yeah. And then look, how about that scene where he's talking to his kid and can't hear? Yeah. Like I was like tearing up or, yeah. or, or he goes to I love the that memorial that. Yeah. and talks to Natasha's memory. And it's like, he's like tearing up. It's like, there's no other character in the entire franchise who has scenes like this at yeah. all. Yeah. It's him all the way. Yeah. And, and you, you can also see the weight of the work on Clint on uh, uh, um, Jeremy Renner's face. And he's kind of beaten up and dour and a little, totally. yeah, he's got a kind of a snappy sarcasm about it. Like a, yeah. he, he's over it, you know, exactly. but he's still, he'll, he'll rally. He'll still pull it all together and he'll be in the moment and he does it for the right thing. You know, he puts his family on the side to do the right thing to, to make sure so, that Kate doesn't get killed. He's always right. Cause he has yeah. so much experience and knowledge and he never has to answer for himself or answer anyone's questions. There's probably like a totally. hundred scenes where Kate asks something and he just gives it a facial expression and walks away. He's like, I don't have to answer you yeah. because I'm, I'm telling you what to do. This is how yeah. it's going to be. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then you break, you, you combine that with the Christmas sweater swing, the Christmas sweater scene. And it's like, there's so many heartfelt moments. So that's where it really shines. Yeah. It's the character moments because unlike most of, of these projects, films and TV shows, there are quiet scenes in regardless of location yep. where it can be Kate and Clint talking and it's more memorable and impactful than almost anything in the entire franchise. Yeah. Those are the high highs. Yeah, now. I agree. And, and uh, I, I also see the argument that it, it was too slow in comparison to the rest of the, and it was, they, it didn't really deliver enough impact, especially the first episode. I think when they got yeah, to the, um, the car chase sequence when the uh, tracksuit gang was chasing after them, that was yep. incredible. That was That's just it. like, whoa, that was so much fun. And it injected a lot of life into the show and the stakes were starting to raise. Yeah. Then, it got, then we got into the uh, the Kingpin reveal and, and uh, you could feel... You know, I don't know how you felt when you were watching the show, but I, you could feel like the internet sort of go, what? <laughs> you know, like, this is, this is crazy. And you couple that with uh, the Charlie Cox reveal in, in uh, Spider-Man. It was a pretty amazing moment. Um, yeah. I think at the end of it, there it's a really like heartfelt show. Like you really just cared about everybody. And it was a really nice Christmas story too. Yeah, uh, you're right though. I think it did start slow Yeah, because uh, there's too many separate things like slowly starting up. Again, the, the pacing is weird. I had the same problem with it couple like actually you know what when i think about it the first half of loki didn't work for me because it was slow and yeah. wanda the first half was slow so it, it's kind of a pacing issue across the board it yeah. might it's they're getting their training wheels for these like six episode ten episode series they're not used to that yet yeah um and across the board i do think like you look at the prime netflix marvel shows like the best of daredevil the best of jessica jones the best of punisher those are tiers above what we're getting from Marvel Studios, despite their bigger budget. So it's right. amazing now that we're yes. getting Vincent D'Onofrio back and Charlie Cox back because those those are some of the best castings in anything Marvel. So it that's exciting. Now, business reasons dictated when uh, the Kingpin could show up because it was timed with the release of a certain movie we're going to talk about soon, obviously. Yeah. Uh, but once he was revealed, I thought they kind of misused the character. Totally. Yes, it wasn't gets, anywhere near the scale of what we saw him before. Yeah. He gets talked down to in a business meeting. Yeah. And his right hand betrays him and fails. And then yeah. he gets beaten up by Kate Bishop in their first encounter. And it's like, this is supposed to be like the, one of the best villains. This, he's yeah. useless. Um, yeah. That was disappointing. Um, yeah. The action, the car chase sequence aside and some of the cool arrow stuff, like 
In the middle, okay. I guess. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't as cool as him leaping off a building and shooting at aliens in the Avengers films or, or the stuff that he did in Endgame or Infinity War. Uh, That's it. Uh, um, still a really fun show and a yeah. really fun introduction to Kate Bishop as well. Uh, I liked uh, Vera Farmega in, in the show as well. I think the, the, the swordsman guy, Jack, was okay. He was kind of like... <laughs> Yeah, weird character because they set yeah. him up as the villain, and then yeah. he becomes this likable goof at the end. Yeah, who doesn't seem to care that his wife's going to jail or something. It's very strange, and it, but, it feels yeah. like the contract negotiations on D'Onofrio were handled sort of midway through, and then Maybe, they, they yeah, pivoted. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, okay. I don't know. Again, it, was, yeah. it, it was a weird sort of setup that didn't really follow. I, I really liked Hawkeye, though. I, I you know, in general, I really liked Hawkeye. What, what would you rate it? Uh, I'll say one more thing, if you don't mind. Yeah. This also is like the the, the step two of the Florence Pugh Black Widow yes, story. Yes, and she was excellent in this episode. She comes in, in series. really. She was amazing, yeah. Really plays up the Russian accent, which I appreciate. Yeah. Uh, but her scenes are amazing. She's cool, and yeah. she feels like an assassin. And it's 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 a good setup for those characters. And like you said, I think. Kate, Kate and uh, and uh, Florence, what's the character's name? Uh, so it's Yelena, I think. Yelena, right? yeah. Kate and Yelena together. Yeah. Yeah. Magic, man. I mean, they, they should, they could make a, that into another show. Future Young Avengers. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think this is one of those shows that we're going to look back on and be like, that was so cool. They did this, 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 and that. And it, watch as a whole over Christmas. It was, it was pretty, pretty great for that yeah. reason. So where are you at? Eight? Uh, yeah, probably an eight for this one. So out of the Disney Plus shows, we got five of them. This is your favorite out of all of them? Probably this and Loki. Probably the favorites for me, it's everything's between throw away what if back in the garbage bin over there, all the live <laughs> action ones. It's just, they're all like seven, seven and a half, eight, so they're all kind of there, but there, yeah, yeah, Hawkeye's probably up there with Loki. Yeah, uh, I, I think I'm at about a seven and a half in general that's, because that's it was right. like it was all over, and I yeah. think I liked out of the, sh- the live action shows, I think I liked oh god, I love the inventiveness of WandaVision. I think it's Loki. It's hard. I mean, they're all kind of similar. They're, all, they're very similar. Reasons. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. They, they. It's true because I loved a lot of the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Hmm. I don't know if I can pick a favorite out of the live action stuff. Yeah. For, honestly, I could literally just say every show is seven or seven and a half, and and that's yeah. part of the problem, though. I, I kind yeah. of expect, again, 25, 30 movies in, giant budget. Why aren't we getting the best something that can compete with the best of HBO Max and the best of Netflix? Right? This, is, right. this isn't up there, and I feel right. like my expectations are keeping tempered. I want to increase my expectations, right? I, I don't want to be let down, and there's, I keep being let down by too many elements in these shows. Yeah. Meanwhile, there's things I love as well, but like it's not as good as it should be. I think. But do you think it's the lack of amount of episodes? Do you think that there should be more episodes? Not necessarily, because sometimes I feel like it's too slow. Yeah. Um, I think it's just like. You know, it's a Disney product is a big part of it. It could be the rushed nature in the pandemic, this and that. But yeah. they're, they're skating by on, on like characters and gimmicks and IP. And it's like, you got to start skating by on. That's not going to work all the time as we see no. with the internals. Yeah. So, well, especially like for doing this, which I thought would be a very interesting conversation because we, you know, to reflect on it, like in the moment, it's really thrilling. But then when you look at it all it's an in event. totality, yeah. it's an event, yes, which I think Disney and, and Marvel have done very well, by the way, and, and sort mm-hmm. of keeping us entertained all the way along. Same with Star Wars. Yep. Remarkable. But um, yeah, like the first episode of the Man, of uh, Book of Boba Fett, pretty slow. 
you know, second episode way better. And oh, I don't totally. know if you can. I don't know if you can do that every. <laughs> I I don't know, but I think we can as an audience want them to do that to mm-hmm. make every episode a nine out of ten. You know, I I don't know how how hard that yeah. is. I don't know if Daredevil did that in every episode. I think that they, um, they definitely had excellent, better episodes, you know, it, of television craft. That's a good point. But you got to remember, we got they had some slow hours, stuff in those. A thirteen-hour story dropped at once with yeah. like true development, and you could watch it at your own pace. It wasn't like little cliffhangers that felt like incomplete episodes. Right? It was like, yeah, yeah. Here's yeah, the yeah. whole thing. And a character arc would start and end three hours later. You wouldn't be waiting three weeks for someone to come back for 10 minutes. It wasn't Yeah, they were 13-hour movies for sure. And uh, Magna World has an excellent comment there. The Jessica Jones arc versus Purple Man was pretty amazing. 100%. That was That's an it. insane series of television. I actually really liked the Luke Cage show as well. Same here. And, and Punisher was excellent, you know? That's like, it. Yeah. And I think Daredevil season one and three, like three with how they handled Bullseye and bringing back Kingpin, I thought was awesome. Yeah. So uh, I don't think anything Marvel Studios has done comes close to that on the TV right. front. So yeah, um, good, good points for sure. Yeah. It, 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 I, we certainly wanted there to be more tether and more connection to the Netflix stuff and what the MCU was doing. And they felt like a separate darker universe, kind of like a Marvel Knights kind of vibe on the work Which, that they were doing back in the day if, if they could ever work out the inner conflict between all those departments of disney that could have been a thing yeah. we, we always thought like phase two of netflix would have been like now it's blade and punisher and, and moon knight ghost and rider. gonna do their thing yeah. ghost rider 100 yeah um yeah maybe now we can right it's gonna happen so yeah i i mean i in general though i think it was a pretty amazing launch year for these shows and there are more highs than lows even in what if i feel you know like it was uh it was very entertaining with these with these yeah it was fun they you know we got a lot of it too we got five or six shows that were event tvs and every single one had their weekly product releases and twitter trends and hashtags and all that stuff but (laughs) but it was fun it was cool to be part of it It's, it's not like you said it's not bad it's it's fun stuff um from a store i'm hoping we get something that's a little more like HBO's Watchmen at some point. Yeah. Something special. That was insane. That was Um, so good. Uh, Okay. Well, let's move on from the Disney Plus TV shows and talk about uh, Spider-Man No Way Home, which I did a review on um, fairly recently after one viewing, and I gave it a seven and a half out of 10, and then I watched the entire world just (laughs) erupt with enthusiasm and just adore (laughs) this movie. It's made over a billion dollars, and, you know, I am happy for all of the people involved, but I don't, I I think it's my third favorite Tom Holland movie, but the one thing that I haven't been able to do with a lot of these uh, MCU movies, like I've been able to do in the past, is I've been able to watch them again, but because of Omicron, I've not dared venture back Same. out into the theaters to see it again um i saw it in a you know there were 10 people in the theater when i saw it all just critics in an early screening and i haven't gone back and i really wanted to because i know for a fact that i was colored by the leaks and the reveals and the hype and the expect the terrible marketing that sony did and so i was waiting for you know the big moments to happen in the movie where for garfield and and toby mcguire to show up and Charlie Cox to pop up and it's like not all of that happened and none of it was a surprise and I was really yeah. pissed off that none of that was a surprise to me welcome to my world Vic imagine yeah. knowing this uh, as it's happening <laughs> and I yeah. can't say anything about it it's like Endgame all over again where like a yeah. producer tells me the whole story and who's gonna die and what's happening next like three years in advance and I'm like what? what oh yeah and I can't I have to pretend I don't know and thousands of articles um 
<laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it's okay though. I'll say one thing first. So I remember when this all started with Tom Holland and Sony and Marvel working together. I was lucky enough to do the set visit in Atlanta for for Homecoming, um, and it because it was a Sony co-production it wasn't under the veil of super secrecy and strict rules that Marvel typically is. So I think it was producer Eric Carroll just brought us to like the, the war room where they have the concept art. Mm-hmm. And he just like walked us through the entire script, the oh, entire wow. story. So I'm like, I knew every beat and this and that, but it didn't ruin the movie one bit because but homecoming and like most Peter Parker cinematic stories, it's not about the big grandiose stuff. It's about the character moments, right? Yeah. Like what sold yeah. homecoming is like that cast of students and any scene with Zendaya and him and, and, and Aunt May, like them just talking or having an emotion or reacting to something and, and they're fighting to overcome something. You can't spoil those emotions. You can't no. spoil those, that dialogue. You can't. Yeah. So, um, so for this, it's the same, but different. They, the huge, huge reveals were unfortunately leaked everywhere. And in our case, we just knew about it, but yeah, it doesn't ruin the accomplishment of taking 20 years of work. Agreed. And somehow yes. Kevin Feige pulling yeah. the ultimate mutant rabbit out of a hat and, and, bringing everybody together, like bringing back Toby and giving Garfield another shot after he burned bridges with Sony. Like they, he was done with them and they brought him back and made him a fan favorite around the world. Yeah. And Alfred Molina, Willem Dafoe and giving them screen time to chew up. And like those things. Dafoe was incredible in the movie. Regardless of the story issues, like that's such a special thing. That's hard to appreciate. Cause I totally, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, and I did appreciate that stuff when I saw it for sure. I did feel like there was a little bit of an undermine of the core relationship with the, the, the core characters with, uh, with Zendaya and uh, Ned totally. and, and Tom Holland because they had to make room for everybody else. I also felt that the, uh, and I I didn't do a spoiler review, guys, because I didn't get back to the theater to watch it again to kind of take mental notes and then come back and do it. But um, the, it really bothered me that Aunt May was was killed off in this episode. It felt very manipulative because we didn't yeah. really get a chance to fall in love with Marissa Tomei's Aunt May. And so, um, and she's such an important character. Like I'll tell you, the Tobey Maguire Aunt May story I loved that actor. I loved that performance, and I got completely emotional when she passed away in the third episode, in the third film. Even though that's a problematic movie, they really honored that character's and that that actor's arc through those that trilogy. Yeah, and I, we didn't get that with Marissa Tomei, and so that felt cheap. Yeah. And you're totally right, and that's I think that's that speaks to a larger issue with the the MCU Spider Man. It's never really been like totally like the spider-man peter parker part you know everyday person story it's been like you know in this iron man mentor this guy and he's got to clean up iron man's villains in the big mcu with all the crazy tech it's it's been you know whereas you go back to toby's and it was like so much more personal grounded but heartfelt and personal like i I remember on twitter like all these people were sharing videos of like toby and and that aunt may like talking and there's so many moments i forgot them just talking wonderful teaching him and he's like reacting and and he felt like a real kid like remember he loses the ring her the ring that that uh that aunt may gives him in the third movie and he's just like completely lost in the and i was like wow that that is a really powerful thing and i I think it's the second one where she's like pretending she doesn't know he's spider-man like talking to him like we're saying you know spider-man's a hero to that kid to change yeah. his day and it's like you can see Toby there's so many emotions on his face and it's like two, two Marvel, is the best of the uh, the live action spider I still think Spider-Verse is my favorite of the Spider-Man movies. I, I think anyone who doesn't give credit to Sam Raimi's one and two like yeah. just forgets the movie and, yes. and it's time it came out because there's no way any of these new movies as good as they can be can compete with that there's just yeah. it's next level 
the, the, what we have now only exists because of what Sam did. 100% X-Men did. So, yes. um, yeah. so Sam coming back for Dr. Strange too. Wow. I know. Yeah. Um, but, but I, I do appreciate all of the effort to put all of these pieces together. And I, I couldn't not think of that machinery though. And I also right. felt, I felt like, uh, you know, Jamie Foxx is an Academy Award winning actor and his electro just felt like completely underdeveloped and, like he didn't have the the real estate and the lines and the work that uh, Otto Octavius did, which is yeah. you know from the best of the live action movies. So I, I I'm glad that he got a chance to come back and redeem himself as a character. And that performance is great. Defoe is great, but Jamie Foxx was kind of sidelined a bit. And I felt like uh, you know we didn't really get to see there was very little point in having Sandman there or having um, the lizard there. And I, I don't think those actors were ever on on set. No, even. That, they that, were that's why they got Jamie Fox. I think they needed someone from the Garfield films to actually be there. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's weird. Also, his character doesn't necessarily fit. And correct me if I'm wrong, but like the whole concept is like people who know yes. Peter Parker yes. coming through. And in Amazing Spider-Man Two, I don't think he knew Spider-Man was Peter Parker. No. And then he comes back, speaks different, looks different, is a different character entirely. And it's like, wait a second, is he from another universe or something? And that. It's too big of a mistake to make. It's it weird. is a big mistake. And the other thing, too, it's like you have five of the Sinister Six. Why Why didn't you just make the Sinister Six? Why didn't oh, you? Because I, I Sony mean, is making the Sinister Six, and they were, they were so afraid of doing, we can't do six. We'll make a joke with the tree. The tree will be the sixth member, and then we'll actually do Morbius or something, you know, um, or Vulture, who knows. But yeah. Uh, I, yeah, yeah I, I guess the the doors are open for you know wherever this goes. I do now want a, you know an Andrew Garfield. I think he was an amazing Peter Parker too. I would love to see another movie from him, but I also wouldn't mind another Tobey Maguire film. You know, like to, to see a middle aged Spider Man and what he contends with, and and to juxtapose that. But yeah, the Spider Verse as exemplified by the animated work and all of the different ways that Marvel's been able to put comics in a bunch of different directions is enthralling and interesting. Um, and I definitely want Sony and Marvel to keep exploring all that. And I, I was entertained by this movie, and I, I said in my review that I could not believe what the hell I was looking at for huge <laughs> chunk. It just like my brain was like... It, I could not believe that all of these things were on screen at the same time. And that is an amazing accomplishment for sure. But I do feel like there was a lot of gimmicky stuff in there. Yes. And I also feel like Doctor Strange was way too much of a bumbling idiot to yeah. have gone through Infinity War and Endgame and all of the lessons that he learned in the first Doctor Strange movie. And then he's just like, hey, yeah, let's try this. Let's just do that. And then and then he's outwitted easily by Peter Parker and... Like, it's, is he in his element or not? And then Ned having magical powers just felt like... Yeah, it was a bit much. There's so many contrivances, you know? Like, I I love these actors and these characters and the, the work that's gone into them, but God, it really felt like we have to figure out how to shoehorn how this all makes sense for people. And I it felt a little too... I don't know, tidy and like, let's just wrap you're it up. You're right. That, that's why I think Shang-Chi is a superior story and superior storytelling and, and character development. This is more like, it's the gimmick show because we need we need some sort of end game scenario here, right? To, to, yeah. And it works. And I did appreciate them trying to keep a lot of this secret. Um, but, uh, and it is, you know, on paper, it's super cool. But, you, but you're right. I mean, like 
structurally and technically this movie is a bit of a mess and, and visually too like almost every scene where they're swinging around is it like at, at is night it? Yeah. and it's dark yeah spicy dark even at the end he's swinging through the darkness and it's like what and, and the whole green goblin and may sequence at night and it's like spider-man is not batman like where's the sun and sky it's totally it's, yeah they kind of messed that up for me but Agreed. And honestly, like like that whole Statue of Liberty thing with the uh, Captain America shield, it's like, what is going, like, how does the shield even fit onto the statue of, where, are they putting it on her face? Like, where does it go? And then it falls and it's like, what the, yeah, I don't know. Weird. It, it was weird. I'll tell you my favorite scene in that movie was the opening sequence where, um, uh, they're trying to get away from all the paparazzi and the people that are taking pictures of them and they yeah. all hate Tom Holland and they're swinging through everything and the uh, the uh, and MJ's terrified and it's perfect it's wonderful where they're sli- they're swinging through the uh, subways it's so kinetic and so full of energy I, I was just like wow man if the movie's gonna be like this it's gonna and I, I it's not like I hate the other stuff that they put in I dug it but I I felt ripped off that I knew I was just like counting the beats. It's like okay, and then this is where the pumpkin bombs are going to happen, and the, and and then <laughs> yeah, uh, and then part of it too was like how convenient that the portals open up in apartment buildings and that everybody is so contained, and that that you know the one place in the woods that that uh, Tom Holland has swung to half of the villain cast is also there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's contrivances. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. They're coming in from left stage, left and stage, it's, right. You know, it's you like, know, okay. Yo. It's a, it's like a tribute amusement park ride. Uh, but I, in really a way, do hope, yeah. I really do hope it's set up for, for other stuff. Cause like, there's always cool ideas. Like, you know, if Tom Holland was truthful and really wanted to break from all this, you could just have Garfield play the MCU Spider-Man for three movies. Like, why not? You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And have him interact with Tom Hardy's venom. And then, but, but they are, you know, Amy Pascal, the producer on the Sony side, who used to run Sony. Um, she, she straight up kind of leaked that, Hey, we're making another trilogy with Tom Holland. Yeah. Uh, but it, Quickly becoming the biggest movie star on earth. Huh? Does if, it? Yeah. If he, if well, we'll he delivers Uncharted with Uncharted. Does. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. He's in Sony's camp. So that's why they gave him Uncharted. But um, yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, I do like the idea of Garfield coming back too. I mean, everyone wants to see him. Like if they do a Venom versus Spidey film, you can do, there's multiple universes now. And yeah. at the end, to talk about the post credit scene, Venom goes back to another universe. So maybe that could be Garfield's universe, you know? So. I, I mean, I want to see that Emma Stone, Spider-Gwen movie. I want to see that. I want to see a live action Miles Morales. I, I, I'm all in. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of this work. I, I, you know, there was lots of amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2 that I like. There's lots of Spider-Man 3 that I still like, the Sam Raimi movies. Spider-Man 1 and 2 were classics. And I honestly, I liked uh, uh, Far From Home and Homecoming even yeah. more than No Way Home. I mean, I, I feel like No Way Home is a great, you know, launching pad for a lot of different directions for the MCU. But I feel like Spider-Verse did the Spider-Universe better than... It did. Than um, the, the, this live action film. Yeah, t- t- two points, I guess. So, so uh, first a story, I guess. So back when Spider Verse was a thing and yeah. Comic Con was a thing, so we had the directors in our in our media room, and they came and we asked them, like, "Hey, look, you ever thought of the idea of having like cameos from Toby and Andrew?" And he's like, "You know what?" Uh, and they thought for a second, like we had that conversation. Like, it's, it's not the right time. And I'm like, and then two, three, two, three years later, it's like, oh, now I know. We've been planning this for a long time. So maybe. Maybe now the ground is set for in Spider-Verse 2, there's an animated version of these characters or maybe even some weird live action version. Who knows? So that's super exciting that they can do that now and it, that can connect it to the, to the Spider-Verse where you guess. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, why would you not bring back Emma Stone? 
yep. as Spider Queen. She's part of the Disney family. They're making a Cruella sequel, right? So uh, I think all of that's going to happen. I mean, yeah. it'd be crazy. It'd be crazy not to. Um, yeah, and I think we're going to get something very similar with the Bat universe as well. You know, like the Batgirl film and and uh, the Bat family is going to be represented. I'm, I'm I don't know. If, is there a Robin project in in development right now? Or so so. Robin, according to rumors, is going to appear in, in one of these projects, and you're going to get multiple Batman, right, in the yeah. Flash, which is setting all this up. And then Michael Keaton will be appearing as that Batman and Batgirl. And that's been confirmed. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're trying to do their own thing. So that's not to deviate into DC, but yeah, the Flash is trying to do their own version of this. What's yeah. No Way Home did? Yeah, combine universes, bring back old characters, and then continue with what they can continue with because it's that franchise is a, is a mess. From a, it is a mess. Is Cavill going to come back? Do you think? Well, uh, I think he will, but yeah. not the way everyone thinks. So, so here's the thing: you like business, Vic? Uh, yeah. <laughs> his agent is Danny Garcia, who yeah. is The Rock's agent and business partner. Yeah, uh, and they run a company called Seven Bucks Productions, which is one of like five production companies making DC movies, which is part of the reason none of it makes sense over there. Yeah, um, for sure. Yeah. And they're making a little franchise called Shazam and Black Adam. And for 10 years, The Rock is saying, I'm going to change the power hierarchy of the universe. And one day, Black Adam versus Superman. Well, guess what? He's in business with Henry Cavill. So yeah. I think one day, whether through the main DC universe or his little subset franchise, I think Cavill loves the character too much not to want to work with The Rock. And if The Rock wants to make that happen, it's going to happen. Uh, Cavill's um, making the right steps. Like he hasn't faded into obscurity. People still love him and, and you know, are interested in what he's got cooking. He was good totally. in Enola Holmes. He was, he's great in The Witcher. So, yep. yeah, his star is at that level. And there's the speculation about James Bond. Um, oh God, that's a, that's a good podcast combo with you too. It's like, we, we should talk about the Cavill franchise. He's a gamer like you and me, Vic. Yeah, he's in yeah. squadron 42. He wants to make more game stuff. He wants to make more hammer stuff. He's, he's in it to win it. Yeah. So, um, other stuff I can't tell you online. Um, so yeah, maybe, but I want to see one more thing about Spider-Man. So I, everything, all of our gripes, I think are fair and true. And I think everyone's yeah. going to think that as well. Um, I do but like the heart the of it is incredible. The heart of the movie is Those incredible. Where yes. he's emotional, yes. he dies emotional. He's losing stuff, and and but the most important part is the end. He's it's it's a reset. Now they could do a new trilogy and address all the complaints everyone has ever had about the MCU Spider-Man, where he's yeah. like in the shadow of Tony Stark, dealing with Tony Stark villains. Now he sure. could be the poor guy, or actual local, you know, the yes. na- friendly neighborhood Spider-Man with the classic suit. And he's not rich, you know, he's starting from fresh and we can tell intimate stories. And I hope yeah. we do that with Tom Holland going forward. If I, Marvel and Sony will allow it. You know? Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I mean, I, I, I did like it. You know, I didn't, I just had issues with the thing. I yeah, think my biggest issue is, is Dr. Strange, you know, cause I, I, it kind of undermined, and this is going into where we're going now, because th- this yeah. is the next thing that we're going to take a look at. But, okay, let, first of all, before we get into Doctor Strange, what would you give Spider-Man No Way Home out of 10? Um, probably similar to you, like seven and a half, eight at most. But, you know, as a story, seven and a half. You know? I, I'm, at a, I'm still at a seven and a half, but something tells me that I'm going to like it a lot more when I see it, because I won't have the weight of expect. I, I know the, the surprise thing is out, and then I can just sort of... I digest it as entertainment and, and, uh, yeah, uh, it's, it, it's, you know, fun factor, like yeah. you're going high, but it's like, as a, as an actual film and story, it's, you know, it's, it's not, it's not quite there. And I think a lot of that, if everyone's positive on it, 
but everyone's only positive on it to a certain point. I think yeah. our screamer review was like three and a half stars out of five, for example. So, okay. Yeah. You yeah. Know, right. yeah I, I mean, I've, I've seen people just freaking love the thing and I, I love that people do, you know, like that's what this is all about is just like fall in love with the projects and the properties that you love and they become incredibly influential for you. But yeah. Um, that Doctor Strange element was a big problem for me, and it sets up some concerns that I have for the multiverse movie, the multiverse of madness, because I don't want it to be gimmicky. And I, I think part of the the gimmicky elements of, of uh, Spider-Man No Way Home is the, the sort of ownership rights on the universe and Sony and Marvel kind of figuring out how they're going to carve it up and how Sony's going to keep making billion-dollar returns on the Spider-Verse. And that factored into that. And I don't really think that's going to be a part of the Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But I am a little bit concerned because I don't want him to be a doofus. I want him to be... Honestly, he's like the most mature and powerful hero in the Pantheon now for based on what he has gone through in a lot of ways. You know, him and, uh, and Bruce Banner um, and Thor to a degree, but Thor's kind of a big goofball... Uh, who can stumble through and and survive because yeah. he's so powerful. But Doctor Strange has got to be so smart and so, you know, ahead of the game in a way. He should be. And unfortunately, they kind of rushed to get there. I feel like more than almost any other character, Doctor Strange really would have benefited from like a series of films before they threw him in with the, with the larger universe and the Avengers. Because like, sure. you know, that first yeah. movie, while I quite like it and, and visual quality wise, and it's very, very strong. Um but from beginning to end, he goes through like five movies worth of development in one. It's film. a brutal movie. Like he he has his life completely shattered, and it's uh, it's powerful, and, man. It's a it's a really powerful yeah. film. Yeah. And from a storytelling perspective, they use the time travel time stone device to kind of enhance. So this is why he learns so quickly, and he's got like a hyper photogenic memory, so he can just learn stuff. He's smart, right? Yeah. You combine that with magic, and boom, you got a smart dick. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean. The only thing more weird than his like kind of dialogue or performance in No Way Home was his plastic hair, maybe. But yeah, like, yes, which is so off-putting to me. Me like, too. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's weird. The, the the teaser at the end of No Way Home is the first trailer for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, which was weak as hell as well. That yeah, was just it was like weird. taped to the end of the movie. It's like, what is going on here? You've just I, I, you've opened the multiverse, and you're showing us a trailer for the next movie. That's, yeah, which, yeah. Also, yeah. Doctor Strange will return in. Like that's you know that's how they normally do it. But I get it because this is like the one division Spider-Man. Doctor Strange is supposed to be that arc, the multiverse arc, right? Yeah. With yeah. The Loki's scattered on top, and you know Loki's probably going to appear in this too in some way. Um, it's it's weird. The trailer is not the strongest, and it's, it, visually, it looks like shades of what Scott Derrickson would have done until yeah. they replaced him. And Sam, it doesn't feel like a Sam Raimi thing, but it's it's weird. I think everything's out of context, and we, we need to see it. But yeah. um, combined with what we saw from Evil Doctor Strange and What If, who yeah. had a very different look, um, yeah. I can't really tell what's going on. So uh, I, I hope I don't it's know. I hope it's amazing. It needs I, to be. Yeah, it needs to be. And I think one thing that we you know, I think we always have to kind of keep in mind is that all of this stuff has been, they've been doing this during the pandemic and people have been risking their lives to make us this entertainment, you know? Yep. Through ridiculous, you know, pressure and circumstances and a lot of this, a lot of Zoom calls while people are editing and putting effect shots and stuff together. It's it's unbelievable 
you know, that it's well, for a, it's unbelievable that Spider Man made over a billion dollars while we're still in the middle of this, you know, yeah. And I guess it's so important that we have this escapism. I've been saying for the last couple of years that video games have been literally saving our lives, you know, they've been keeping us sane and entertained and connected, yeah. And you know, huge movies like this that are much more than just a like a two hour escape, you know. The, the conversations like we're having right now that exist after you see something like Spider-Man No Way Home, that's really powerful. You it's know, the best like, part of it, too. It's the be- it truly is the best part of it. It's, it's yeah. like how it makes you feel afterwards and like the, the intellectual conversations and the excitement looking forward is like so yeah. meaningful. And not many things can do that, right? Totally. So. And boy, do we need them right now, right? Um, totally. Uh, so I think we're both kind of a little wary of the multiverse of madness. We both want it yeah. to be awesome. But there's other things coming down the pipeline. We've got the Ms. Marvel show, which I think has been pushed back to 2023 that Kevin Feige has been talking about. Uh, we No confirmation. We actually have a lot of TBAs around this stuff, but there are some stuff like Moon Knight is, is scheduled to come out this year. Yeah. We've gotten a tiny little glimpse of Oscar Isaac kicking some ass, but we don't know too much about that weird character. But um, an exciting one for Marvel to bring out, you know, in live action form. Uh, and then we've got the She-Hulk show. And um, there was one other big one that's coming our way as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of the schedule. Is one of the animated ones, is Groot or something coming out? Or the holiday special? Oh, yeah. There's the holiday special. And... Um, this Marvel's the, oh wait, what are you talking the, about? The Guardians uh, of the Galaxy. Anyways, there's a lot of other things that are coming our way. What out of everything that is sort of coming towards us? We've got uh, um, Moon Knight and She-Hulk, the Armor Wars, which I think is 2023. That's later, yeah. Yeah, Ms. Marvel, which will be uh, you know about the elastic kind of qualities of that character, which I can't wait to see how they do. Maybe that. they're changing her powers. Oh, are they? The okay. Show. Yeah, okay. it's a little more, a little more energy projection thingy. Like the character armor from X Men, a little more like that. I don't think okay. she's doing the Reed Richards stretch and stuff. Unfortunately, okay. yeah, yeah, probably they don't want to undermine the Fantastic Four, which will eventually be here as well. And mm-hmm. then we've got the second Black Panther movie that's coming out in 2022. Um, lots of turmoil behind the scenes on that one because of yes. uh, um, Shiri. Uh, yeah, not wanting to get right. vaccinated, <laughs> like, and, and but, but wanting to talk about not getting vaccinated to everyone. <laughs> what are you doing? Uh, yeah, that's uh, not. So uh, out of what we have, kind of, and it is a little bit. It's weird that we're in January of 2022, and it's muddy. You know, I think in previous years, we've had it's, a much clearer idea of what we're looking forward to. But I don't, I don't have like the the clear slate in front of me right now. And everything is probably going to change. Like we're not talking right. about the Sony side of it, but Morbius is supposed to be out in two weeks, and it got pushed seventh delay. It's coming it's out in April, April now. Yeah, and it might get pushed again. Uh, Uncharted and- has got to be pushed. If I mean, yeah. are they not going to do that? Like they're going to go with Uncharted in February if we if we're still in the middle of all this. If there's lockdowns in some of these areas, like. Like there is, you know, they're going to push it. I think they have yeah. to. But yeah. at the same time, I don't know. I don't know. So Sony. Typically, they're in a financial bad situation, but Spider-Man is like just raining cash, yeah. so maybe yeah. they're okay holding it off. But I'm not sure. We'll see. Um, it's a good question. In terms of excitement, though, I, I, this is like the phase two of the Marvel Disney Plus stuff. Is like they're introducing new characters in the beginning, yeah. right? It's yeah. Hulk we've never met before, and luckily, you know, she's connected to Mark Ruffalo's Bruce Banner, who will be in that show as well, which is yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, 
I think I'm most excited for Moon Knight. I, I think the team behind the action doing that stuff, the director is really interesting. And I think Oscar Isaac has like a rock on his shoulder. He wants to push off. I think he wants to prove himself after the Star Wars saga and after his appearance in X-Men. Yeah. After X-Men Apocalypse. What a mess. Um, <laughs> another another Power Rangers villain there. Um, yeah, he really, really was. This is a cool guy. character who has a future. Um, so that's cool. And uh, I, I, to be honest, like I, I need to see more. These are weird ones. I'm most excited probably to see Mahershala play play Blade whenever that happens and yeah. Fantastic Four. Yeah. Those are the ones that are most excite me. But yeah. Those are way down the road. So Fantastic Four is going to be integral, right? Like that's yeah. another, uh, you know, Spider-Man feel good kind of quality, uh, you know, marquee, massive, everybody knows who these characters are that can be done right. I can't wait to see how they do that. I think they can do it right, but I really, really hope even more than Dr. Strange, they don't rush their story. Like if they do the Fantastic Four right, they yeah. should be around for 20 years. And the back half of those 20 years, Reed Richards should be the best villain Marvel's ever had. Yeah. Um, and they, But they have to build and build and build to get there, including things like, for the Marvel fans out there, the Illuminati, which I think we're going to see the beginnings of. Like you mentioned Dr. Strange being like, he's the veteran now right he's yeah. the wise leader he's supposed to be he's the de facto leader or builder of the next avengers yeah but that's only one avengers team because there's going to be like the falcons avengers team it's going to be the young avengers team it's going to be like you know perhaps shang chi's avengers team and future, maybe you know this I mean? multiverse avengers thing that the watcher that's puts it together. the guardians 100 yeah. percent. you yeah. can bring back killmonger you know yeah. what i mean like wouldn't that be wild so yeah. um there's it a is, lot of it is potential. weird it's it, it like we i think we had surer footing for the beginning of phase three. Like we kind of knew what the hell was going on. Totally. We don't know anything. About what but but do you know what though? Back then we had like one plot device. It was like, yeah. these stones. Now yeah. it's like, yeah, I get time travel, soul things, the, the multiverse and all this. It's like, I, I don't, where does any of this go? It's oh, like, I know the movie that we're forgetting about is uh, Thor love and thunder, which I think just oh, based on what, what yeah. TD has done. That's the thing that I'm most excited for in yes. 2022. Yes. Yes. Get to yeah. see the mighty Thor. Finally, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah. I hope that keeps going. I, I like, and the Guardians will appear in that film, you should say. So that is like a fun, crazy event film. Like, I, I want to see them do Thor, like five, six, seven. just keep doing that. Why I, he, not? I, so, what else can, like, what, how would they, they can't just make him disappear? He's basically a, a character that can't be killed. He's a god. Yeah. And Hemsworth, like, he was born to play this guy, you know? Totally. So, he, yeah, he should just keep going with that for sure. I think he yeah. wants to. Man, this was fun. This I knew yeah. it was going to be fun to chat about all this stuff. <laughs> there's, and there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> there is, and I am no. Uh, it's no clearer for me what we're looking forward to, but I think that's okay. That's a good place to be. Let's be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep Sony's it. marketing team away from uh, any trailers on <laughs> or, or posters. They shouldn't or posters. make posters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, I know. I know. And it's tough because we are in the business and, and um, we do have to report on all this stuff. But sometimes it's just like, no, I just want to enjoy it. Yeah. I just want to enjoy it. Yeah. But, you know, we still find ways. I mean, you and I are still playing games. We're still we going are. to movies, you know. Yes, so. we are. We're still big nerds. Um, yeah. All right, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm going to invite you back. And I think we should uh, maybe, you know, as the rumors start percolating big time on, on who they're going to cast as Bond or maybe. The, oh, yeah. Uh, the next Star Wars movie kind of starts to come into focus a little bit. Definitely going to have you back. All right. I'd, lo I'd love to do it, Vic. Okay. Well, you rock. Uh, make sure you're following Rob on Twitter, Rob underscore keys, and uh, check out Screen Rant. They post a million articles a day about all the stuff that's happening across movies and TV shows and video games. Super fun, awesome work. 
You're a, a terrific guy to speak with, my friend. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you all for watching. We will see you soon. And until then, play forever.